0: Welcome again to uh, Wildwood. I'm glad that you're here, that you've joined us today. I hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. I hope you were at least encouraged. Um, We got to have a very small and simple Thanksgiving, and that was kind of wonderful, really, for us and being able to enjoy that. Last Sunday night was our Thanksgiving dinner, and it was great to be able to gather so many people together and just honor God. We had some words of thanksgiving from three different people that were just really encouraging uh, we got to meet our church revitalization team. We're going to be, continue to talk about that, and so I'm thankful for that. And again, if you're new with us, whether online, joining us, or here in person, um, we'd love to be able to connect with you. And so if you text that word WELCOME to the phone number that's on the screen, six three six two zero six eight six five four, 206 it's on the back of your seat, those of you who are present here. But again, uh, I'm thankful that you're with us. So about, I think it was four or five years ago, I had this, uh, for me, a new phenomenon begin to occur. It was that I started becoming not just aware, but paying attention to what life would be like after retirement. Now that's always down the road, but still, a particular number that happened in our leadership planning suddenly made me realize, you know what, that's coming. And so... For me, what's happened is the amount of money that I know is going into my retirement and will eventually be in my retirement um, matters to me and I pay attention to that. In fact, it's become this kind of, uh, I don't know for me, this security blanket. So like for instance, those of you who pay attention to the market, this last week has not been good for my retirement account. I wasn't real thrilled. I don't always pay attention, but more recently I have been, and this was not a good week, and so my security level went down a little bit. The problem is it, it's kind of become a security blanket for me as I look at the future. The problem with the security blanket is what? Eventually you have to grow up, and you got to let go of your security blanket. Listen, Ace. you and I have to have a man-to-man talk here about your whoobie. Your whoobie's looking bad, bud. Now, wait a minute. Now, listen to me. I understand that you little guys start out with your whoobies, and you think they're great. And they are. They are terrific. But pretty soon, a whoobie isn't enough you're out in the street trying to score an electric blanket or maybe a (laughs) quilt and the next thing you know you're strung out on bedspreads Ken. That's serious. Now give me the booby. No. Kenny, come on. No. Okay. Give it to me for a couple of days. If it doesn't work, you got the whoopee back. Please. You got a lot of guts. to myself, please? Absolutely. You got it. So what is your security blanket? What, what is that for you, that you hold on to so tightly that you got to have that, or you just have no peace in your life? There's an interesting thing that happens in America, particularly in areas of the country like that we live in, and that is that we have this perception in our minds that the more we have, the more security that we're going to have. I was talking to one of our neighbors a few days back, and his son, who's 31, um, sold his house and moved in with his parents for a couple of years because he wants to save up money because he has this dream of this ranch and you know being able to have this great place to be able to enjoy. Um, there was another young couple that I knew, and they had made the decision not to have any children. They both worked really good jobs because their goal was to be financially independent by the time they were like 40 to 45 years of age. Now, is there anything wrong with those kind of views or perceptions? Is there anything wrong with us having that kind of a view in the culture and the place that we live in? Well, it kind of depends upon whether or not it's something that you hold on to so tightly you can't let that go. So again, what what is your security blanket? What is it that you hold on to um, that gives you peace of mind? It could be your 401k. It could be your savings account. It could be your family. It could be the job that you have. Um, Maybe for you it's being in control and making sure that things happen the way you think it should happen. Or maybe for you it's a friendship that you have. Or maybe your security is your business or having your children around all the time. Maybe your security is in the form of a bottle or it's in the form of pornography or it's in the form of some other kind of escape. What what is the security that we so tightly hold on to that we can't let go of it? See, God knows this about us because he's the one who made us that whenever we hold tightly to something else as our peace and security we can't hold tightly to him and so he has Jesus tell this story when he was on this earth to kind of help us do some evaluating right to, to look at what we hold so dearly in the security in our life <clears throat> he tells this story so that we can look at our own lives and decide is that something that I need to pay attention to so today we're in the final message of this series money advice from Jesus and again we go to Jesus for spiritual advice, but money advice. Well, when you look through the Gospel of Luke, which we're spending the year in, one of the things we discover is that he says a lot about money. And so as we get more focused on Jesus Christ, we want to please him more and more. And so we've been learning some pieces of advice, right? So advice number one is this, that if you have to, you know, if you think all of this money and stuff is for you, what you're, you're never ever going to enjoy it. I mean, you can have tons of it, but if you think it's only for you, you're never going to enjoy it. Um, week number two, advice number two was this, that it's not what you what, give, but it's what you hold on to or that you cling on to that determines your trust in God. Can you, is that in there, Kirk? Can you put that next? There you go. It's not what we give, but it's what we keep that determines our trust in God. And then last week, advice number three is the next one there. We're accountable for how we use our stuff. Someday we're going to stand before God and he's going to want to know. So what did you do with the stuff that I have given to you? What did you do with the stuff that I've loaned you? So today we come to Luke chapter 18 so I want to encourage you to turn in your Bibles or your phone or your tab at Luke 18 there's Bibles in the seat underneath you those of you are online you can use the Bible tab there um, you can use the QR code in the back there that'll take you to the YouVersion Bible app and you can follow along but Luke 18 is Jesus has this encounter with this guy and as a result of that encounter And the conversation they have, this guy walks away sad. He walks away from Jesus sad. I mean, that's a sermon fail right there, right? When someone chooses to walk away from Jesus. The reason he walked away from Jesus is because of what he held on to so tightly. That was his sense of security. He couldn't let go of that even to follow Jesus Christ. And so today, as we look at this encounter from Luke chapter 18... Here's where we're going with this story today and it is simply this that if you hold tight to your stuff you you cannot hold tight to Jesus if you hold tight to your stuff to that thing that's security you're never going to be able to hold tight to Jesus Christ so Luke chapter 18 is where we begin and what's going on here in our story is that Jesus is heading Um, to Jerusalem, right? He's on his way to Jerusalem. Um, He's not there yet. He's still a couple weeks away. He hasn't yet gone through Jericho. So we looked at the story of Zacchaeus and him healing the blind beggar. But as he's heading that way, he comes across this guy who is a religious leader a religious ruler and this guy wants some spiritual advice which again is interesting right we think about going to Jesus for spiritual advice not money advice but what does Jesus do he gives him money advice so Luke chapter 18 beginning in verse 18 a certain ruler asked him good teacher what must I do to inherit eternal life no To me, that's a good question, isn't it? I want to know the answer to that question. And this is not the only time Jesus is asked this question in Scripture. It's been asked before. So what does Jesus do? Well, Jesus directs him to the Ten Commandments. Now, here's what's interesting about this, is that you have the old covenant of law, right? Ten Commandments, we follow that. We now live under the new covenant of grace. But when did that change? Well, it changed at the death of Jesus Christ. You see, a testament, you know, a will goes into effect at the death of someone. So again, Jesus is living under the Old Testament law, and that's why he directs this guy to the Ten Commandments there. So look, verse 19. "'Why do you call me good?' Jesus answered. "'No one is good except God alone. "'You know the commandments. "'You shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, "'you shall not give false testimony. "'Honor your father and mother.'" Now, something seems to be missing there, right? How many of the commandments does he give the guy? Less than 10. Less than 10. Good answer, Dave. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Less than 10. Five, yeah, five of them, right, you're supposed to pay attention, right? You're supposed to know what's going on, five of them. It's interesting, he only gets five of them. Is this like a? he's lobbing a softball to the guy because he knows he actually did these? What's interesting to me is the ones that he chose to leave out that he didn't include in there, right? That he didn't have in that particular story. In fact, what does the guy say, verse 21? He says, all these I have kept since I was a boy, now, to me, that's an interesting statement because, one, I think it shows the genuineness of his heart. He really, he's striving to follow God, but it also shows his blindness, I think, which we all struggle with that, right? Seeing ourselves for who we really are, that we really <laughs> are people who are sinful people. All of us sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But I've kept these since my youth, right? But Jesus knows his heart, He knows what this guy needs. So look what he says there in verse 22. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, "Will you still lack one thing. Say that out loud with me. You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. Now, is Jesus adding an 11th commandment here? Right, Because there's 10, he only used 5. Is he adding an 11th commandment here? You know What Jesus is doing is he's holding up a mirror to this guy so that he can see exactly what he needs to see, what is getting in his way of trusting in God, what's getting in his way of his walk and his relationship with God. Because the problem for this guy was his security was not in God. His security blanket was not God. But his trust was in his money, in his stuff. He was more interested in things of this earth than he was in things of heaven. He held more security in his wealth and his status that he had as a wealthy person than he did as someone who was a follower of God. And so what does it say this guy did? Well, verse 23, when he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. And he walks away from Jesus there. So I, um, I need a volunteer, someone who can come up here. Kim, would you help me out, Mr. Charles? All right. So I'm going to give to you um, a needle here. So st- come up here on the stage with me. There you go. There's that end. So there's a needle. You see the eye of the needle there, and this is a camel. Okay. Now it's not the scale. Okay. But what I need you to do is take the camel and stuff it through the eye of that particular needle. Here you go. Take the camel, stuff it through the eye of the needle there, okay? You can do that. Come on, man. (laughs) Your eyes are better than mine. I can't even see the eye of the needle there. How you doing? Is it working? Here, I got a bigger needle. Here, I'll give you a bigger needle here. Let's try this one. There we go. Don't kill yourself on this. We'll switch. Try that one. Okay, bigger needle. See, a lot easier. You can do this, right? Is that going to work? What's happened to you? You've been retired too long. You can't do stuff like this, right? How's it going? I still can't pull. Through. Okay. Thank you. you. You proved Jesus' point. Did you know that? Yes. Again, this is not a life size uh, um, camel. Thank you, Kim. I appreciate that. We'll set that up here. What does Jesus say there in that story? It's like it's hard for a rich person to go to heaven. What what does he say there? He said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. I mean, that's a pretty startling statement right there. How hard it is for the rich. And then here's Kim's example. "Indeed, Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. It is easier... For a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter into heaven. See, Jesus is using such an extreme image that... So it's interesting, one of the commentators I read this week said that the disciples who were listening to this, that they were traumatized. They were traumatized by what Jesus said here. Why would they have been traumatized? Not because they thought they were rich and couldn't get into heaven because they'd given up everything. We learned that in a moment. They were traumatized because the Jewish view was that the way you knew God was happy with you is that he blessed you with wealth and health and abundance. In other words, if anyone was going to go to heaven, it was that rich ruler who obeyed the commandments and had all this wealth. He was the kind of person that a Jew would say, they're going to heaven. They have got it made, and yet Jesus tells this guy, you've got to get rid of everything. A Jew thought they were blessed by God. So why would Jesus say someone who is rich can't enter the kingdom of heaven, that it is impossible? Not just hard, but it's impossible. Why would it be impossible for a rich person to enter into heaven? Well, the first thing I think we need to do is we need to decide, so who's wealthy, who's rich, okay? Because most of us would say, well, somebody who has more than me, right? So um, the global median individual income, okay? So we're talking about globally, the median individual income globally is $2,100 a year for an individual globally. So that takes into account the whole world, right? Now, in the state of Missouri, The household median income, okay, so we're talking about everybody who lives in the house, is $55,641. So $2,100 for an individual worldwide, $55,000 for a household in Missouri. Do you know what it is in the city of Wildwood? The average household income is $135,202 as compared to $2,100 worldwide. So here's a couple of charts. So if you made an annual income of $12,000 in a household of two, all right, so the 12000 is at the top, that means you're getting about $14 per day per person. But notice here in the middle where it says you and it's middle income. If you in your house, your whole house makes $12,000 a year, you're in the middle income bracket across the whole world, the globe. But let's say you live in the state of Missouri, go to the next one, $50,000 for a household of two, you've just jumped to the 39th percentile. In other words, you and 39% of the whole world are the most wealthy people. You're in the high-income bracket if you have a household average income of just $50,000 a year. Now, the reason I point that out is not so that we could somehow feel guilty But that we would recognize our responsibility, and most importantly, we would realize Jesus is telling this story to every single one of us in this room. So why would it be impossible, according to Jesus, that the rich can't enter into heaven? Well, Jesus doesn't tell us there. He just says it's impossible. He said how hard it is, and then he says it is impossible. But Jesus says a lot about the impact of wealth on each and every one of us. And so I've grabbed a handful of the verses just from the Gospel of Luke. I want you to take a moment and reflect upon these verses as they go up on the screen. Read them silently. Think about Jesus' perception of wealth. So is Jesus down on wealthy, rich people? I mean, when you read through those passages, one of the things you begin to recognize is Jesus has an understanding that if wealth is our security, in other words, if we are holding tightly to it, we we can't hold tight to God when we need Him the absolute most. Now there's one more part of our story that we haven't looked at. So verse 28, Peter said to him, to Jesus, we've left all we had to follow you. And Jesus said, truly I tell you, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. Peter's like, Jesus, we we left everything. What's what's Peter saying? He's saying, Jesus, you know what? We trust you. That's why we were willing to leave everything for you. And then Jesus gives him this profound promise there. No one who's left any of these kind of things will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. I mean, that's a profound promise that he gives us. But there are... (coughs) there's some who would use a promise like this to say well then if you're really living for God and doing what God wants he's gonna bless you with family and with money and with all these kinds of blessings and there there's a sense where I can understand that but if that were the case then why would Jesus have just told this guy you need to get rid of everything and the reason is because for this guy His everything was his security blanket that caused him to walk away from God. What Jesus is saying here is, if you put your trust in the Father, you will never be disappointed. You will always be taken care of because of his deep and abiding love for every one of us. So the... The story that we have here really is, in a way, showing us or demonstrating a kind of a subtle type of idolatry. So what resides in your heart in the place that only God should be at? So Jesus raises a question. I had you repeat this earlier. But the question is this, what is the one thing you lack? What's the one thing you lack? All right, now, on the inside of this place here, this aisle, there was a sticky note, all right? I need you to grab the sticky note that was there, take three or four off, hand it to the person to your left or to your right, and pass it down so everybody here has one of those, all right? So you may have to get up and get it. Thank you. Grab two or three of those, pass it on to the person next to you, all right? Now, if you're at home, I need you to get a piece of paper um, something to write on, and I'll give you some instructions in a moment. But pass that on down. Give it to the person next to you there so we make sure everybody has at least two or three sticky notes. Those of you who are on the end, you can keep them. you got as many as you want, right? All right. Um, get a sticky note. We'll make sure everybody has that. Pass them around. Be nice to people around you. Get it at home. So here's the question I want you to consider. If Jesus was having this conversation with you, how would you answer that? What is the one thing you lack? This is not an issue of salvation. Okay? We're not talking about do I go to heaven or not. This is an issue of trust. What's the one thing that is getting in your way between you and your relationship with your heavenly father? It could be money and wealth. It could be family it could be an uncertain future it could be your need to be in control it could be your desire to be independent from responsibilities it could be a number of things just take a moment now don't worry i won't be looking at this you won't have to put it in the chat box or anything this is just for you so be real honest what's one thing that for you really gets in the way between you and your relationship with god and you may think to yourself you know what I I can't give this up. This is impossible. This is impossible for me to do. Then Remember, what did Jesus say there in verse 27? What is impossible with man is possible with God. I don't want any of us to be like this tragic story. I mean, this guy literally walked away from Jesus because of money. Because of his desire for more. He walked away from Jesus. So what I, what I want you to do is, when you take this piece of paper, write something down. I'll write something down here too so that I don't forget. Now I want you to lay it in your hand like this. Like this, if there's more than one, do that. Put it in front of you here like this. All right, everybody put it in your hand. Then I want you to just Squeeze that and crumple it up as best you can, and just tightly hold on to it. Don't let up. Don't just just squeeze as hard as you can. Come on, you can do this. Squeeze as hard as you can, like this. All right, everybody, take it. Come on, squeeze. Hold on to that thing. Squeeze is absolute. This is the thing that you can't let go of. Right? This is the thing that you cannot give up to God. Squeeze as tight. Come on, you can squeeze tighter than that. Come on, hold on. Squeeze tightly. All right. now what I want you to do is imagine holding this up like this and then just kind of slowly open your hand up like that. Isn't that feel so much more relaxing than squeezing your fist like that? And as Jesus teaches us today, if you hold tightly to your stuff, well, you, you can't hold on to him. And he invites us to live a life of real peace and security. Imagine what it would be like if from this moment on that you were able to take that one thing and say, Jesus, whatever it is you want, but I, I put my trust in you. Like Peter said, we've left everything. Maybe for you, Jesus is saying, leave everything. What's the one thing for you? Maybe it's something completely different. Maybe it's something that nobody else knows about. But if you hold on tight to your stuff or any kind of security, you cannot hold tight to Jesus.